Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hey, good morning and welcome to the Women in Manufacturing podcast. My name is Fran Brunel. I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, a company that specializes in mergers and acquisitions nationally, but only within the manufacturing sectors. And I'm your host for today's show. So today we welcome to the show, Miss Lisa Ryan. We're very excited to have a conversation with her. She is an award-winning speaker. She's an author of over 10 books, including one that every single manufacturer on the planet needs to read, and that is Manufacturing Engagement, 98 Proven Strategies to Attract and Retain Talent in Your Industry. Lisa has also co-starred in two movies, which maybe we'll get to talk about today. We've got a lot to talk about. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for taking the time. It is fantastic to be here. You have probably one of the most interesting career paths I've ever seen. (laughs) Tell our listening audience about the transitions that have happened to get you to where you are today. And don't forget my favorite part is that you actually have manufacturing experience. Yep. Yeah, I was actually, I started my career as an executive recruiter. Uh, as I like to say, I'm one of the few people on the planet who can actually say they they sold their mother. Uh, <laughs> when, when I placed mom in that job, she hated it. But I said, mother, you have got to stay there at least 90 days because I have a guarantee and I can't afford to ba- give back the commission I made on you. So, you know, thankfully, mom was there for two and a half years. We were good. From there, I actually placed myself into my first manufacturing sales job where I sold electrical cord and cable into the maintenance environment. Mm. And from there, I then went into my first foray into outside sales, which was in the welding industry. And that, you know, I went to healthcare after that. But those seven years in the welding industry were some of my career favorites. And until, of course, I started my own business. But it was just so cool to be able to see how things are made and going into steel mills and auto plants. And I got to go down into the salt mine, which is super cool being in a mile beneath Lake Erie and four miles out. You wow. know, I just, I just learned that you don't do that tour with the new guy. Cause well, we got lost, you know, <laughs> which is a little freaky when you are under a great Lake. But we saw where the conveyor belts were going and we figured that was the way out. But it was a a really great part of my career and really what cemented my commitment to manufacturing and changing that conversation so that we can attract more talent into manufacturing and into the trades. Yeah. So I remember you telling a story of before you began your speaking career, you're doing sales and then you were and a whole bunch of other people were laid off. That was quite a day. I had been in my medical sales career for seven years. It was one of those really lucrative sales jobs that has everything that you need. I was well on my way to winning the sales trip for the first time. I was having a record year. I had just closed several large facilities and I was invited to an organizational announcement conference call 
but I, I didn't think that much of it. I mean, I was you know, having a great year until my friend who was the Columbus rep said, oh, hey, by the way, the conference call has been switched to 1130. I said, really? I didn't get that email. And she said, well, you weren't on the list. <laughs> and even though I thought that was weird, I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. So I called in at 10 and the conference call, there were 12 of us on that call. And basically what they said was, um, yeah, the company's going through severe financial problems right now. We're going to lose $10 million this year. So your position's been eliminated effective immediately. Please stay off the phone so our outplacement firm can call you and we're not going to answer any questions. You'll have to wait till you get your package from FedEx and then HR will call you. Click. Wow. And it really was so devastating. And not that, I mean, it was 2010. We know what the economy was doing in 2010. But if they had taken the point to say, we're so sorry, thank you for being part of the team, thank you for everything that you've done, because in the scheme of things, they took good care of me. I had a nice severance package. They let me buy my car, which, by the way, I still have 11 years later. (laughs) Wow. In the scheme of things, they took good care of me, but it would have taken so little to change that entire experience from one of expediency, let's just all can them at the same time, to helping long-term employees to feel valued, even if the company was not in a position to keep them anymore. Was that experience how, or did it lead to why you are so passionate about employee engagement? Yeah, it really did. It led to a couple things. Number one, (laughs) I started my business business. on that day, October 12th, 2010, because Mm -hmm. I basically said no company will ever do that to me again. So it's kind of funny because when people reach out to me uh, with jobs on LinkedIn, I just have to confess to them that I am completely unemployable when it comes to (laughs) (laughs) being an employee. But I also realized that, yeah, employee engagement retention, because I loved the company, I loved what I did, but just I started to see the little things that that they could have done to take a horrific experience and, and make it at least palatable for the people they were letting go. And there's so many things that people can do, particularly when it's not just manufacturers fighting over the same people. Now manufacturers are competing with Amazon and Google and, you know, they put up a big warehouse in an area and Amazon comes in and sucks up 2,500 people that may have worked for you. So it's these little things that you can do on a day-to-day basis that just helps employees to feel valued. They feel appreciated And not only does it keep them from leaving, but it also opens up that conversation. So maybe they tell their friends, hey, this is a good gig. Come and join me. Yeah. So this, you know, yeah, I think throughout the economy, employers are struggling, right? All throughout the United States, but particularly in manufacturing, the competition for manufacturing jobs is through the roof. And you know, there everyone's talking about the skills gap, lack of workers. People that I talk to around the country, few are doing something about it. 
and few know what to do. It's, you know, there's kind of a throw your hands up in the air and, well, what are you supposed to do kind of attitude? But you have some proven strategies. So for our listeners who are mostly manufacturers, can you give them a little view into some of what you would recommend and how then they can create a culture where the people will want to be in and not want to leave. Sure. Well, and I like, I'm an acronym girl. I know that acronyms (laughs) get on people's nerves, but I happen to like them because my brain processes that way. But in the scheme of things, (laughs) I have a really cool acronym because it's thanks. Imagine that. So the first one, and I'll just give you the real Cliff Notes version of it. Obviously, in my programs, I go a lot deeper. But the T is you're building trust because Mm -hmm. employees need to trust you. They might not always like what you have to say, but as long as they know that you have their back and you're being transparent with them, they're much more likely to trust you. You help them is the H to become Mm -hmm. better tomorrow than they are today. And that's by investing not only in their professional development, because of course they need the skills to run the equipment, but their personal development too. give them the opportunity to look at them holistically and take care Mm -hmm. of them because the money that you invest in training is pennies compared to what it costs in turnover when they leave. Nobody ever quit for too much training. The A is appreciate, acknowledge, and applaud the efforts. Catch your employees in the act of doing things well. Too many times in manufacturing, you know, quality is an issue and timing is an issue. And we're so focused on what could go wrong that we don't pay attention when things are running smoothly, when things are going well. So taking the step back to acknowledge your employees. Navigating work-life integration is the end. I think we've seen that so much in the past year with COVID that you know when you do have remote workers, and even if they're working in the plant, they're still worried about their kids and their spouse yeah. and their aging parents and what are they bringing home with them? And how can we navigate this culture where we are on 24-7? The K, getting to know your people. Are they cat people? Are they dog people? What are their kids' names? What are their hobbies? Taking the time to get to know them more as an individual, not just by the name sewn on their shirt. And then the S is serving a greater mission. So what is your organization doing to make a difference in the world? When we first started the pandemic, did you pivot on a dime and one day you're making beer and the next day you're making hand sanitizer? One day you're making metal castings and the next day you're making face masks. That means something when employees feel that they're a part of something bigger than they are. You're not making a spring. You're not making a fastener. You're making a part for a naval destroyer or an airplane or a piece of hospital equipment that's going to save lives. So when we can change the language, that's how we get to our employees' hearts so that they feel that they're in something bigger than they are. Very interesting. So doing the work that I do, I deal with aging manufacturers who are, you know, I'm dealing with them at the end of their career. You know, they're going into retirement. How much do you think 
this is a generational thing, or I think it's different today. And a lot of the guys retiring do not understand how important the culture that they create is. You know, they come from a time when they, when all they do is work and they expect everybody else to, and just be thankful you have a job. Right, (laughs) right. Speak into that a little bit if you can. Well, first of all, you know, for the last 19 months, we've had people that we never, ever thought baby boomers were going to retire because we are absolutely wired for work. It's what defines us. And so, but now you just spent the last 19 months playing with your grandkids and seeing. So we've been talking about the silver tsunami for years now that, you know, 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day. But now I believe that we're seeing an uptick in this as we're seeing the great resignation happening. The people are like, you know what? I'm done. And frankly, my husband is a part of that. He was with his company for 13 years. Mm -hmm. He was furloughed last year for eight months. They called him back. They did not call back any of the older, more tenured people. Scott got called back because his boss quit and nobody else had cost accounting experience. But, you know, Scott was 60 years, Scott is 60 years old. And, you know, to start over, particularly as an accountant, but he's like, you know what, he has five to I'm hoping eight years left in his career, and he can either be miserable, or he could take a chance and start over again. So my mm-hmm. husband, actually, he had a couple of people reach out to him on LinkedIn. One, he went through two months of interviews, eight hours of Zoom interviews, six hours of personality assessment. Wow. And the day before his 60th birthday, he made the offer and he's been there for a couple of weeks now. But it's just so nice for him to end his career with something that he's making good money, but he's working with people who actually appreciate him. Mm-hmm. At his last company, you know, the last couple of years, it's like everything was only what he did wrong. They were never acknowledging him. So when we look at, we think that, well, boomers don't care about that. They just care about the paycheck. You know what? They're human too. And they're starting to feel irrelevant. The funny thing is, my husband's new boss, I think she's like 37 or something like that. Wow. So he, He's reporting to somebody the same age as our niece, but he, you know, but number one, I admire the company for bringing Scott in because he is fantastic for their position. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they were open to that and making workers feel relevant, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have older, more tenured workers on your team, how can you connect them with millennials and Gen Z? How can you put together mentoring programs? How can you build those relationships instead of that attitude of, well, why should I make friends with that young kid? I mean, he's just going to be gone in six weeks anyway. It's like, dude, what if you were friends with him and he stayed because of that? So it's a win-win. You help the, the tenured employee to feel relevant but you also encourage the younger workers to stay because they feel like they're being heard. They feel like they're being mm-hmm. valued. Yeah. I think in manufacturing, this mentoring thing is incredibly important because you have certain certain sectors of manufacturing that they're teaching in, in the manufacturing schools on a regular basis. Some things they're not. If you have a uh, a company running old Davenport screw machines, they're t- they're not computerized. It's a it's a certain breed of people that knows how to run them, 
And it's it's like a dying art in the United States, right? Same thing with tool and die making. It's, you know, for for the most part, that went to China in a certain era. And now there's a lack of it in the United States. So that transference of knowledge from the older generation to the younger generation within a manufacturing company is completely necessary. So very important. Right. And yeah. just the automation, just looking at what are the things in your plant that the, you know, the, the crap jobs that people hate to do? You know, so start there. What is one thing that you can automate, you know, little by little and starting to automate? Because number one, as you and I have talked about before, that automation becomes a great recruiting tool because oh now gosh. that new applicant comes into the office and they're like, that's the coolest thing I ever saw. I want to, I want to do that. We're afraid of automation because we think it's going to displace jobs. But what yeah. it does is it gets rid of the grunt work. And now you're bringing in a higher level of employees who are attracted to that. When I was in the welding industry, it was literally everything your mother ever warned you about. I mean, it was dark, dirty, dangerous. <laughs> I'd go into the maintenance guy's office. They got girly calendars hanging all over the place. It's filthy. You don't want to sit down no matter what you're wearing. And now you walk into these facilities and they're clean and they're bright and they're automated and it's super cool. Yes. But unfortunately, a lot of parents have in their mind what my first experience was. And they're like, I don't want my kids going into that. So it's exposing people at a younger age. It's having that conversation with yeah. teachers and guidance counselors and parents that going to tech schools, going into manufacturing, not a second level, not a second tier career path to a four-year college degree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have to we have to change that paradigm that manufacturing is, um, you know, you're less than if you didn't go to Harvard or whatever. I mean, listen, two things I want to say. I sold a manufacturing company in Nebraska, which closed, what, a week ago or so? They had introduced robotics into their CNC mix. And they, you just said it, it's a recruiting tool. They said it was a phenomenal, people that came in to apply for jobs, do their interview, they were, they were just taken back and, and like, wow, this is really cool. And what they had done was looked at the most difficult job that everyone hated. And it involved lifting a very heavy piece of metal to put it into the machine. Nobody wanted to do it. They kept having people quit. Okay, they applied robotics to it. And now a machine picks up that part and loads it into yeah. the machine. And it, you know, it, it is an incredible recruiting tool. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago at Fabtech. And it's like, I love walking around the shop floor because when you're looking at those robots and you look at how they can move in ways that no human would yep. be able to move. And I could sit there and watch those things all day. I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Hey, speaking of upcoming speaking engagements, this is, uh, I just got on Friday, my NCO, oh, I can't hold it up. It's not showing. Oh, there we go. There we go. The record NCMA. And I'm seeing that you're a speaker at the upcoming Engage 2021. Yes, That's awesome. Yeah, Great organization. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been working with them for a couple of years now, and they've invited me back again to bring that message because, 
you know, a lot of their members are struggling with retention. And without going into, oh, you have to spend a gazillion dollars bringing in a high-priced consultant to put together a retention package and a mm-hmm. points catalog and you know all of that kind of stuff, employee survey. No, it's these little aspects of basic human connection. And I will tell you what, the people that, that it resonates with, with the, which is most of the people in that room, they get it. Now, you always have one or two really grouchy people will say, it's only about the money. I, I can't pay these people enough. I can't find anybody. It's like, well, okay, well, you know, I would choose to disagree with you. But if they're not seeing it, if they're not seeing the value in mm-hmm. creating those relationships with their employees, you know what? It's not going to work. And for my the, the way that I do my programs and, and all that kind of stuff yeah, people get it and it's fun. And like I said, it's, it's ways that you can do it, that it's going to create harmony, not only in the workplace, but when people feel valued in the workplace, they're much more likely to have a better home life because they'll start to see the good that's going on in the rest of their life. So we're talking win, win, win. Yeah. You know what I, it's funny. What I don't hear you say is throw money at the problem, Mm -mm. throw money at the problem, just keep giving raises, throw money at it, make them stay. What you're saying is that workers want something beyond that, something that really money can't buy. Yeah. Well, that's so true. Now, this is not an excuse to pay less than a market wage, and you may have to up your hourly wage. Um, Just to be able to attract people, because that is a barometer that we use. And people will work for less money when they feel they're at a company that they're connected to. I mean, how many times, if you're listening to the show, have you had an employee leave, you know, that you have a great culture, the employee left because they offered, were offered five, 10 bucks more an hour, like an offer that they couldn't refuse. Mm. And then they're coming back to you six months later because it doesn't have the same culture and they were treated like crap and it's just yeah. a number. And I mean, for me, and this is a little bit out of the realm, but, you know, in my medical sales position, I was making a lot of money. I mean, it was a really good, and I always thought I will also, I will always need to make that kind of money. When I started my business, I was broke, you know, and I thought my husband would be like, oh, girlfriend, you are going back to work because, you know, we need the money. But that whole happy wife, happy life thing, you know, it's like it changed everything. And, you know, having a supportive spouse, of course, as an entrepreneur is very valuable, but it taught me a lesson too, that we have this idea in our mind of what we think we should be making. Mm -hmm. But if we love what we do and we love who we work for and we respect the leadership team and we feel like we're part of it, then yes, you do not have to be the highest paying company in your market, but you do need to treat your people better than anybody else that's in that same market. Yeah, I love it. And you know what, treating them, treating them better, some of the ideas that you propose have nothing to do with money. It has to do with being a good human, right? You know, showing appreciation, being thankful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to cost an employer a fortune. Nope, it does not. Yeah. 
Good for you. This is this is so very needed within the manufacturing communities. So what's next for you? You know, it's nice that the meeting industry is coming back because I'm doing yeah. a lot more in-person events right now, still doing lots of virtual along the way, but I'm working actually on a retention video series and oh. put that into the into the universe out there. So, you know, it's just been really good. I love the message. I love the audiences that I work with. And I just plan to do what I'm doing as long as I can possibly do it. Yeah. Well, listen, when you have that out, I want to have you back on the program to promote that. And we'll put it on our blog as well. We'll promote it on our blog. Again, it's just so needed. I travel nationally. And again, there is not a manufacturer in the nation that I talk to that doesn't have an issue with retention. Yep. So your your message is at a perfect time in history. Yeah. Yep. So if people want to learn more about um, you and your products and you, you know, possibly engage you to speak, how best should they reach out to you, Lisa? Well, my website is Lisa Ryan And there's all kinds of good information on there. However, connecting with me on LinkedIn, now do make sure that you send me a little note that said, hey, heard you on the show, would love to connect. But I post on LinkedIn videos and articles and podcast episodes and everything almost every day. So if you're looking for just a wealth of information to create that workplace culture that keeps your top talent from becoming someone else's, LinkedIn is probably the best place to get a hold of me. And you can always send me a message and we can have a chat. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Also, if you're a woman in manufacturing and you would like to possibly be on the show, please reach out to me, Fran at acceleratedmfgbrokers.com or 908-387-1000. I'd also like to encourage our listeners to visit whampodcast.com where you can see all of our shows and every show brought to you by the Jacket Media Company. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everybody. Thank you for joining the Wham! Podcast where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.